Welcome, everybody, to the Five Dirty Bikers Podcast. What the hell are we talking about tonight? We're not talking about the Harley Dealer Show. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> it won't last too long. It was a fucking disgrace. Let's talk about it, but let's talk about how lame it was and why it was that lame. It was right. disappointing. I wasn't, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Yes, there you go. It wasn't that it was lame. It was just disappointing. Don't it was change by- the phrase. Change the paint and raise the price. I mean, come on. Okay, so I don't disagree with anything that you guys have said, but... Are you talking about aggression or are you talking about Harley? Both. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so when was the the Dyna killed off? 17. 17. 17. 17. 18 was a big uh, soft tail launch. Right, so two years ago. Okay, and then then the... then last year, what was the big announcement last year? Nothing. Nothing last year? I mean, the uh, announcement the mount, now, last year was that there's going to be all these new bikes. Right. Yeah. And that, and they, did, uh, they did a mid-season paint and whatever, paint and tins of the Sportster. Remember they came out with those 70s looking AMF Sportsters? That's that was, right. Well, they announced, the Pan- they, 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 announced the, they announced the Pan America last year, right? And they announced the, the new custom. Well, the they, custom, the Pan America, and the Street Fighter, none of them happened yet. Right. right. I mean, how do, how, do you, how do you fucking announce this bike a year ago and mm-hmm. then at the goddamn dealer show put a fucking a prototype right. on the fucking wall? Yeah. Hey, hold I'll on, hold it. on. Indian did that with the FTR, and those fuckers are just hitting dealership now, and people have been seeing that bike for 24 sure. months. Well, well uh, they well, released wait, the goddamn Energizer Bunny for $30,000. <laughs> <laughs> how, okay. how many years ago was it that they released? The, wasn't it 2014? Harley had the prototype live wire in like 2013 oh, right or about 2014. That. Yeah. There you know the reason they just now released it? They probably had whiskey. I bet dick. you they whiskey. Whiskey. They, they probably had the rights. They used that for collateral to finance all of the research and development. And it's probably taken them seven or eight years to be able to pay the bank back in order for them to get the rights back in order to be able to sell the live wire. And that's why it's $30,000. It was probably the, the batteries. Cause I think the batteries are what really jacks the prices up on these. No, things. hell no. Think of zero, man. Zero is half the price, twice the mileage. Exactly. I just, I, I, it's a better, I, it's a better fucking bike. What, what the zero? Yes. Oh yeah. But I mean, I've never price. ridden any of them, but Thirty thousand dollars for a goddamn electric-powered motorcycle, steep man. Right, that's a lot of money. Well, so that was since you couldn't. Truly, this is the deal for me. You you couldn't get that bike right now if you wanted to and ride it across country because there's not enough places even to charge it. Well, that's not its purpose. It's it's urban, man. God damn it! You can't ride the fucker to Chick Fil A because you'll run out of juice. (laughs) (laughs) I I get I get that that's not the purpose, Joe. But let's be honest. The purpose of any motorcycle is to ride it essentially any distance that you want, right? I mean, Correct. people are riding scooters across the country. People are riding sports across the country. So, yeah. Yes. Well, I can tell you, right, this is going to do wonders for the, for the hotel industry because <laughs> if somebody wants to go out to eat or they want to go shopping, they're going to have to rent a hotel room just to charge their bike up. Yeah, to get back home. 
It's true. Hey boys, should we, uh, should we plug our channels? I, I think, uh, Ryan, you should do it first because I think you got some big news. I, uh, I do have some big news. I just am here to announce that I hit 100 subs while we're filming our podcast. Nice. Far out, man. Congratulations, man. Congrats, Ryan. So, now you, I, get, I just, you get your own URL. Besides the, uh, the 100 sub mark, I need to thank all of you guys for sure because uh, without you guys uh, you know, being there to coach me through the, the beginning stages of the, the horrible editing cycle, you know, uh, stop making excuses and, uh, and get on your bike and do it. I probably wouldn't be right quite where I'm at right now. So I don't know how many times I've asked, uh, what is the size of this? Or well, how do I slow down my film? Or how do I speed it up? Or, hey, look at this crappy video I just posted. Is it worth it? And, uh, and you guys have always been there uh, helping me through and support me. So I appreciate all of that. So, Man, you're an awesome dude, man. No, oh, I appreciate it. Ryan, you've been there with al- at almost the beginning with me, dude. If, if anybody needs to thank anybody, it's... Thank you. I'm Kidmoto22 on Instagram and on YouTube. Yep, my my channel is essentially riding in the uh, upper Midwest. My my riding season is going to be quickly coming to an end. Through the winter, my, my channel plans are going to be, um, I'm going to do some gear reviews, but not necessarily sponsored gear reviews. I'm going to do gear reviews on things that I've used throughout this season. And I just ordered some new gloves that I'm going to be using for MMM, and I'm super pumped about those. The newest thing I'm going to do, and and I'm going to be hitting up all you guys, so you're all going to be involved in it. I'm going to do a rapid fire question and answer, 20 questions with Kid Moto. And uh, and I'm going to do um, some of those coming up this winter too. So that's going to be some of my content that's that's going to get me through the winter before I can get back on the bike. And hope, hopefully I can get uh, some other things arranged to start some, some nice. two-camera Moto vlogs this, this, uh, this spring and more talking head stuff really coming this winter. So, so the channel is uh, Wet Banana Moto, uh, Instagram, YouTube, and all that stuff. As of today, I have 304 subscribers. So I've hit the 300 mark. And I appreciate everyone that has gotten me there. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've done a thank you video this whole time that I've had the channel because I really don't necessarily post a lot of videos. I knew, I, I thought I was going to start to, and I didn't. But anyway, if you guys want to get on there and check out my content, that'd be awesome. Mike, once you get your KLR videos out there, it's going to be like you have a rocket shoved up your ass, man. You're just going to shoot yeah. up. I will be able to do a lot more than just asphalt. I'll be able to do gravel and uh, mud and all-terrain. I need a KR- KLR lesson at MMM. Mm. I need to watch you climb up, up a I think rock. you're the only one that could probably do it. <laughs> Tony needs a damn trampoline. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I had, a great, I had a great idea, though, the other day thinking about this. Since you got the bike that can pretty much ride anywhere, if we need beers, we don't need to bring a cooler. We could just send Mike up to the top to the refrigerators to, to get beers for us. I, you know, I'll do it. I don't care. He's, he's our goddamn Sherpa. <laughs> Somebody bring a milk crate that we can strap on his back of his seat. That, that fucker needs a milk crate, man. Every KLR needs a milk crate. Yep, for sure. I think I'm more I'm think I'm more sophisticated and more civilized than a milk crate. We'll paint it silver. So I'm Joe. I am Great Egret on YouTube, and I focus on motorcycles, uh, taking you on my travel adventures and talking about how freaking amazing life is. But what's most amazing is the community that's developed over the last two years or so that I've almost two years that I've been doing the YouTube thing. It's culminating both with this podcast with these four amazing friends and also the Midwest Moto Meetup coming up. So I'm super excited 
about this podcast and about the Midwest Moto Meetup and just hanging out with everybody, man, because that's what this is about. Uh, my name's Tony. My channel is has a very original name. It's Tony Cox, my name. If you guys are interested in any type of uh, motorcycle content, especially in servicing your Harley or anything like that, come check my channel out. I do a lot of that stuff along with moto vlogs and reviews and things like that. But I'm going to plug somebody else's channel. There's a guy out there, small channel, start, he's starting out and he's doing some really cool stuff, especially if you're into the old, older Harley Davidsons. His name is Saddle Tramp. Yeah, buddy. He is doing some really cool stuff over there. Like I said, especially if you're into the older stuff and, and choppers and things like that, he is doing some really cool stuff and I highly encourage everyone to go over there and check his channel out. And he will be at MMM. It'll yes. be cool to meet him. He yeah. will be there. I'm I'm pretty excited about that. And I'm he's excited. A, he's a super cool cat. And mm -hmm. everything works over there. His garage, the way that it looks, and the bikes that are in it. And it's just like, damn, it's like the perfect situation. I see him having one name venereal videos. The venereal <laughs> video. It spreads like wildfire. It <laughs> takes off. Everybody, I'm Dustin. I go by D Cycle on YouTube. Also, you can check me out on Instagram at D Cycle underscore moto. My whole channel and premise is to show you that you can ride post-marriage, post-kids, no matter what age you are, and have a damn good time doing it. I ride in central western part of Illinois. It will also be the site of the Midwest Moto Meetup, and I am just, like everybody here, very excited to ride with everybody, meet you all, shake all, you all your hands, even though I bet Joe already. But everybody that's coming from, I mean, we got people coming from all over for this thing, all the way from California. They're coming from Washington, D.C., down Mississippi. I mean, all over. It's pretty remarkable when you think about it. But I'm just so excited to, to share a little bit of what we have in my area with everybody coming. I think it's going to be a fantastic time. You know, I, I, know, we're, I know we're plugging channels and all that stuff. Man, I, I'm, I'm sure that Tony will agree and Ryan will agree with me too. Dustin, Joe, you guys have done a phenomenal job at putting the Midwest Moto Meetup together. Absolutely. Oh, without a doubt. I want to thank you guys for putting the videos out that you do. Tony, this includes you. If it wasn't for moto vlogging in general, we wouldn't be the Five Dirty Bikers. Hell and yeah. So, Amen. I, I appreciate all of your artistic talent and you guys do an amazing job so does the 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 dealer show the way it went down the lack of announcements the boringness was it to put focus on the live wire or was it for a different reason okay so the way that they designed the dealer show this year and all of the people that went there john maxwell um, everybody that went there that was at the dealer show and doing live feeds and doing videos complained about how so the whole dealer show was dark except mm -hmm. for the room that the live wire in was in and that room was white. So quite literally they had all the lights oh, out in the entire dealer room and the live wire room was white. So they so, ran a damn pony show for one bike. Absolutely. They, they, they did. They completely put all the focus on the live wire because people have be, even been saying that uh, the ADV bike, the Pan America is going to be a mid season launch. I don't think so. I think they're going to, I think they're going to hold off on everything. I think mid-season this year is going to be another paint and tins thing. I don't think they're going to do any mid-season launch, certainly not of any of the big bikes we've heard of. And this year is going to be all 100% live wire. So is Harley, is Harley taking that live wire and rolling over their own balls with it because of how they, how they presented it at the dealer show? 
not even every dealership, like my dealership in this town, they're not getting a charging thing. They're not, they're not fucking with the, the live wire at all. Well, no fucking wonder nobody be able to get there to charge it up. You know, I've watched all the reviews on this live wire and it's gotten great reviews. It's supposed to be a top notch bike. And I understand that Harley is a premium brand. Is it $30,000 nice? 30 grand for a motorcycle that does 120 miles at a time. Is, it's not, the, it's right. It's not the demographic. Never, yeah. never was, never will be. And it's more a sport bike too. I mean, it's really, it's not a cruiser. Who can afford that damn thing that would want to buy it? Oh right? shit, Joe. Well, hold on a second though. Harley puts out a numbered CVO line every year and they sell out every year. And that's those fuckers CVO. are $57,000. It's that CVO though. The, the market for the live wire and bikes like that are not the people who are buying CVOs or any other type of motorcycle. The market is the millennial who wants to ride around in an urban environment. They're not they're not marketing the live wire to the millennial because they're they're kidding themselves. Millennials aren't spending thirty thousand dollars on a that's motorcycle. That's what I'm saying. I they mean, can't pay their student that, loans. That's exactly what I'm saying too. But I think what they're doing though is they're drawing millennials' attention to the brand and saying we're progressive, we're doing something different. Keep an eye on us. You're going to want one of these bikes in in five years. These bikes wouldn't, aren't going to millennials. They're not, they're not doing that right now. Wouldn't it be smarter to just, just go straight to the millennial instead of saying, hey, look at us in the future and, and price pointed at the cost of the zero? No, they got to dig their asses out of the hole now, not in right. 10 years. Exactly. They're, yeah, exactly. They're, not, they're not in any hole. Are you they're sure? Just, Ryan. They're just selling Ryan. less bikes. See, this is the thing that all of us, like, all of us forget about. The only numbers that Harley puts out there right now are new bike numbers. Every single company's numbers, including Indian, are down in the new bike market. No one keeps track of used bikes. No one keeps track of how many bikes are changing hands and staying in the market. No industry, including every major manufactured car dealership that has a market share like Harley-Davidson. No one. You know, the numbers that they put out every year are just new bikes that are being sold, not the used market. Dustin was talking about where he said they, they need to do this now, not in 10 years. And to do that, they, they can't be focused on a motorcycle that costs $30,000 that they can't sell to the market that wants to buy a motorcycle like that. They need to price point that at or below the zero. Well, I, I don't disagree right now, with that. You're, right you're now. Right, I think that their I think their trouble is is that Harley is finding it difficult to connect to millennials, not just get them to buy their bikes. They should hire more then. I don't disagree That's with that. You're really right. They should. Yeah. But the the problem the problem is is that much like what we've talked about in you know the communities that we're that we're forming around our channels or our podcasts is that there's two sides of the market right now, which is the the old guard that has the money to buy the bikes and the new guard that's coming in that maybe doesn't necessarily have. And then all of us who are in the middle, but the old guard still drives the market. The old guard is the one buying this, this $60,000 CVOs. We had a conversation at work about motorcycles in general. And you know, all of us own a Harley. I still have my Sportster. Yes, it's a Sportster, whatever. We started talking about motorcycles. And whenever you were talking about millennials, I bought my Harley because of, I like the way they sound. Okay. That's, that, that's general. It's just the Harley sound. You can fix them up. I, I bought them for, we talked about all that. The uh, nature of the Harley people of the culture of Harley, the millennials today 
do not fit that culture. So therefore they're not attracted to the Harley culture. They could give two shits less. And so when you start talking about motorcycles also, you know, I, I just talked about it last week. I bought the KLR. Okay. It was $6,500 and man, that thing is way more fun and way more comfortable to ride than my Sportster. And I haven't ridden my Sportster in probably a month. I, I don't plan on riding it anytime soon. I think that millennials now shop around. They do more, you know, price comparison. They do more when it comes to like gadgets or accessories and, and, and all of that, or that they want to spend their money. They're more cost conscious. They want to spend their money on something that they, you know, that, that they get more for. And so when you start talking about Harley, Harley is a good motorcycle that is built in America that is reliable. Now, is it comfortable? Mm, I know a Sportster, not necessarily. Okay. If you're going to get a Road King or something like that, guess what? Yeah, they're going to be a little bit more comfortable, but you're still going to have the heat and you're going to have the drawbacks that come with that, uh, you know, the air-cooled motor in general. And they have a bigger price tag. And they have a way bigger price tag. I think that's Harley's biggest problem is their price. It is a premium brand. Don't get me wrong. And the fit and finish is second to none when it comes to Harley. Correct. Their fit Correct. and finish is beautiful. Right. But, but they're expensive as hell, man. I mean, yeah. they're a lot of money. It, comparing, you know, just the Iron 883 at, at $9,000, right? Now it's right. nine grand. You can go buy a Yamaha Bolt, which is actually a little faster yeah. than that for $7,900. And the transmission shifts way better. Well, that's a matter of preference. I think some people like well, that clunky and some people like. I can tell you right now, I really like my sewing machine. You're, you're, you're on the Kool-Aid on the Kawasaki. I like it. Man, I'm how, telling you. How many miles now, Mike? Uh, a little over 300. Let me ask you, how much does that bike weigh? Is it about 440? 428, I think, uh, topped off. Are there any specs out there about the weight of the Pan America? Because I haven't seen any. Um, I'm sure it's going to weigh a goddamn metric ton if it's yeah. made oh, of yeah. Harley. It's if, it's not, if it's not heavier than the, the big BMWs, I'd be very surprised. Well, I'm curious to where, where they're going to price these things. It's going to be at least at the BMW price point, which is 25K. So hold on a second, Dalton. The point that he's making is taken a little bit out of context. So both myself and Dustin and Tony all bought, say we bought the newer Harley technology. Correct. Okay? Yes. So uh, we bought the Milwaukee 8 engine, much more refined. I, I, would, I would argue this uh, just, just a little bit, Mike, is that when you're when you're comparing a technology that you bought into when you bought your bike the sportster technology hasn't really changed or been updated so well none of the refinements that harley has made on their bikes have made it down to that to that model it's, it is it is newer technology but harley davidson is the only motorcycle company that put vibrations back into the motorcycle absolutely they to had appease to appease their their brand and 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 their buyers the Milwaukee 8 was the smoothest, best-running engine that they have ever put on the market, and they engineered a bunch of crap back into it to make their what, customers happy. What I'm getting at is the culture in general of Harley-Davidson. They, they, they engineered it, the, the vibration back in. Well, guess what? A millennial does not give two fucks 
about vibration. Exactly. They want to be able to go out here, spend a reasonable amount of money on a very reliable motorcycle. If Harley would lower their pricing, because I, I think their pricing is somewhat okay, but if they would lower their pricing to more of a realistic standpoint, I, I think they would sell a lot more motorcycles than what they do. And that's going to entice a millennial to come by. And that's what's going to continue. You know, that's what's going to, you know, let Harley be able to continue selling motorcycles, not uh, a 40 or 50 year old guy. Because eventually us 40 and 50 year old guys are going to be gone. Let me ask you guys this. Speaking of, of being older or whatever. So Harley, one of Harley's big thing is tradition. I mean, I've got my own opinion, opinion about this. Do you feel that these, these younger kids, they don't give a shit about tradition? Yes. They, they I, care I, more about what they're spending than tradition. Right. Yeah. Do you think that has something to do with why they don't, they're not really eyeballing Harley for a new bike when. Right. They don't, they don't care about culture. And that's the thing. And see, I, I'm going to say, oh my God, I'm going to get fucking stoned for this. <laughs> I will say this right now. I've, I've, I've put fucking 300 miles on my damn Kawasaki. If I had bought my KLR before I bought my Sportster, I never would have owned a Harley. And, and the reason being is because it was a, it's a better buy. And I'm not even a millennial, and I can see that. But sure. I'm, not, I'm not wanting to be part of the culture either. I mean, I don't, I don't go out here and buy Harley branded clothing and dress in all black and make sure that my girlfriend has her black bandana on and her pants tight and make sure it has sequins all over it because you know, that's what they fucking sell at the Harley dealership. Look here, skinny jeans. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to buy no damn bedazzled pants. You know, but I can speak for all, all of us. Like, I don't think a lot of us don't fit the Harley culture, right? Around here, none of us do, right? Because if you look at the the typical Harley rider in my area, no helmet. I've seen guys wear shorts, yep, tank top, sunglasses, and that's about it. And and all those organ donors in my house. So I was just the opposite. I wanted a Harley when I went and bought my Iron Eight Eight Three. I wanted a Harley Davidson because of what it was and what it stood for with me because growing up I was always around them I wore the t-shirts and mm -hmm. and everything and it was like a going to buy a Ferrari you know it was right. like I'm finally going to get a Harley you know what right. I mean that's the kids today they don't have that no and, and so, see but I, but I never grew up hard like I didn't grow up my parents didn't own a Harley my parents owned Hondas and Kawasaki's and Suzuki's and all the import stuff because fuck, we weren't rich like that. I mean, I went out and I bought a Harley because that's what I wanted. Right. It, to me, it, it held a, it was something I had to earn. I felt like I, I really didn't deserve it. And then as I got right. older, I was like, you know what? I deserve to own a Harley now because it held that kind of place for me. So, well, it's a nostalgia thing too. I mean, yeah, even exactly. with me, I know I'm not as, you know, I'm, I know I'm younger than everybody here. Nostalgia hits me like a motherfucker, man. I want to pass on to my kids in some way, but you know, the way of the world now is, is everybody's got their nose buried in a phone or an iPad or something. And they're not going to have the experiences that like I did growing up and you guys had growing up because it was before the big technology boom where you had to go outside and get dirty and play every right. day to keep yourself entertained. Right. So, you know, when, when you have all that stuff growing up, you get older and I'm, I'm, it's really hitting me hard now. Like all this shit. I'm like, God, man, like 
growing up was so much cooler than, you know, what my kids are going through in my opinion, but. Oh, I completely agree. But, you know, like Joe doing that route 66 trip, right. Mm -hmm. To do that route 66 trip on a Harley. I swear. I thought I was going to have to go to the doctor for the four hour erection. (laughs) It was so cool. You know what I mean? To be able to do that American road trip on an American motorcycle was just, I thought it was awesome. Right. I mean, that's, I'm the same way, but a year ago I did a video about a month before maybe a little less than a month before the Route 66 trip, where I talked about how nostalgia is a big part of who I am. Okay. And, and I, like Dustin, I like, and you, Tony, too, I bought my Harley because I wanted a Harley. I bought my Harley because it is a Harley, because I wanted to, to feel that nostalgia. I did the Route 66 trip for that very same reason. Well, to be fair about me, like, I almost bought a Kawasaki before I bought that iron. Like I was dead set on getting a Vulcan. I got the iron because I, it was a better deal. Yeah. And see, that's, that's it. Mm. Ryan is a prime example because Ryan grew up on the back of a Harley. And so, I, you know, and Tony did too. And, and I just, for me, I bought a Harley because A, my deceased friend wanted me to. And B, I wanted to see what the hype was about. I, I I love my Sportster. I grew up on the back of a Harley, Mike. And you want to know, I said the same thing to Joe three months ago that Tony just repeated to everybody else. The first bike I bought on my own was a Kawasaki Vulcan. And I did not buy a Harley till I felt like I had earned it. Mine was more about earning it on the back of a bike riding because I'd spent my whole life on the back of a Harley as a passenger. When I started riding on my own, I didn't buy a Harley first because I felt like I needed to earn it as a rider. I bought a, I bought a Kawasaki first. And the funny thing is, is that a buddy of mine had a Sportster at the time. He had an 883. Um, I think it was the 2006. Was that the anniversary year that they had the blue and silver coloring? He, he had a Sportster and I had a Vulcan. His was an 883. Mine was the Kawasaki Vulcan Classic. It was a 805. When you parked our two bikes next to each other, they were about the same size. Um, you know, the Kawasaki was a little bit different in weight, but to Tony's point, the fit and finish on the Harley was hands down better. I agree um, with that. The, the, the fenders were all metal. The Kawasaki that I had was entirely plastic. Everything on that bike was plastic. The housing I, around the front headlight was plastic. The only thing that was metal was the, uh, was the engine and the pipes. Everything else was plastic. I am buying. It was a cheap bike, but right. to, to your point though, too, it was a cheap bike, but I did nothing to it for six years. I got it out in the winter or got it out in the spring, started it, rode it all summer long, parked it at the end of the year, changed oil three times in six years. And that bike was perfect, ran perfectly for six years. And, when I, and I sold it for 2,500 bucks and I was off bikes for a few years. And then the next time I bought a bike, I felt like I'd earned it and I bought a Harley. After I got the Harley, I came home and, and uh, my mom called me, who I had grown up riding Harleys with, and she said, what was it? How was it like? I said, riding a motorcycle is always fun. But I said, I got home this time, and I said, my skin's on fire. And she said, it's just different, isn't it? And I said, it's, you can't explain it. And you can say that I'm a Harley fanboy. You can say that I drank the Kool-Aid. Whatever, I'll, I'll take it all because it's all true. For me, and again, this is just for me, once I rode one, I knew that that was where I was going to land. 
And Joe and I talked about it too uh, when we were camping because I probably look a little bit more like the old school traditional riders. I have a vest with patches. I have a Harley jacket. I wear chaps. I have black boots. Are they I wear pants chaps? on under your chaps? Um, <laughs> when I'm at home, I don't. But when I'm riding, I do. Are they assless? I think that's the definition of chaps. They're all assless. No, don't you give me that shit. Because people say that all the time when I tell them I have chaps. They're you know, like, if the wind catches your nuts just right, it turns into a bat wing. <laughs> it sure, it sure so, does. People say, hey, it's a vampire. <laughs> what is that? But I think, and I, and I told Joe, I said, at, at a certain point in time, I just said, I, I got to be... I got to be who I am and and not worry about what the rest of that looks like. And I'll shape the culture that I want to be around in within motorcycling. Right. And, it, and it doesn't have to be the other, you know, all that other stuff. I mean, I, I give you, you shit about your KLR mic. Seriously, big ups, man. That bike is awesome. And I truly, I know nothing about them. I've never even sat on one. I, but I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome that you found your spot in the motorcycling world where you're going to land that's more comfortable it's more your style it's more how you want to be and you fully admit you're like you know what i'm selling my sports shirt it's going to be gone and right and i give you a ton of credit for that i by no means i i, I will say wholeheartedly that harley's fit and finish in general about every one of their motorcycles is second to none there's nothing Except for the Sorry, street. My, yeah, except for that except, fucking except ass Except for the tank. streets, man. Those streets, yeah. their fit and finish isn't there. They're garbage. But, but, but the thing is, is like, I think that as a brand, you fit into the culture or you don't. For me, I didn't buy the motorcycle because of the culture. I bought the motorcycle because of the name. It's just when I got in there, I loved my bike. I just realized that, you know what? that's not what I enjoy because I don't, I don't go to bars. I don't go, you know, to the dealerships and, and have, you know, go to the cookouts and the concerts and, and the bikini washes and all that shit, because you know what, that doesn't interest me. You could spend that time putting miles on that engine instead of, you know, I don't do, I don't do any, I don't do any of that either. And, and really Mike, for the majority of the time that I ride, I ride solo. I, I barely ride with anybody. In fact, this season, the only time I've ridden with anybody was with Joe and June. All of my miles are solo. What? Hold on well, a minute. All those are events talking? are, are so focused on demographics older than us. You know, I want to get back to something real quick. Are we talking like June Carter cash? Going back to Jackson. Because you said you were, you rode around with Joe in June. I was trying to figure out who June was. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to Jackson. The month of June. (laughs) Oh, the month of June. Okay. Sorry. So back to the lipstick that Harley put on these 2020s. Pig. Pig. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at, at the website, and I mean, maybe it was expectation and reality. It'd take a bottle of Viagra to get me excited about these bikes. I, I think I think what turned more heads than anything was the, the lowrider. Oh, they, they took the lowrider S, they jacked it up to $18,000 and put a 114 in it. No, wait a second. Hold on. No, no, no. The lowrider S was more expensive when it was a Dyna. And well, I know, but what I'm saying is... It's not a Dyna anymore, though. It's Jesus on the Softail platform. Well, it is on the Softail platform, but what what I'm saying is they took the Lowrider, which retails, I'm looking at it right now. God damn, I'm... It's 17.9, isn't the, it? The Lowrider's 14.8. Yep. 
And the lowrider S is eighteen thousand dollars. Yep, wow. that's exactly what the old lowrider S was. And that's and, and that's with the one fourteen in it. And that's with the one fourteen. Yeah, they, well, they took. Why is that exciting? The old lowrider had a had a one ten in it, and it was on the Dyna platform, and it had the. Oh, they, they have a they have a soft tail lowrider. They do not have a soft tail lowrider S, do they? Other yeah, not than a soft tail lowrider S. They have a soft tail. They have the soft tail lowrider for fourteen eight. Yep, had that last year, and this year they announced the Softail Lowrider S for eighteen grand. Correct. the The other Lowrider S that they had on, was on the Dyna platform. Was on the Dyna platform. Yes. Yeah, right. it was on the Dyna platform. What I'm saying is, they're charging an extra, what thirty one hundred dollars for a one hundred four for a one fourteen. The Dyna platform Lowrider S, if I'm not mistaken, was like twenty one nine or something. But the Softail Lowrider S is twice the bike that the Dyna Lowrider S is. Absolutely. Because I fucking hate Dinas. <laughs> oh. Boy, you just having a hard time with the whole HD. I, I don't have a hard time with the whole HD thing. I just wish that Dinas would go to hell. Well, they, they did. They're gone. They, they did. sure <laughs> as fuck are. And Sportsters are still around for another year. And I'm going to say this is going to be the last year you're going to see a Sportster. And that may be okay. But you know what? At least the Sportster had more stamina. I think it was I think it's going to be addition by subtraction Tony. I think this is going to be the last year of this iteration of the Sportster. I believe the Sportster will come back and I think they're going to re-envision it either with the Milwaukee 8 with a new platform. Sportster's not going away. Otherwise, Harley truly will be in trouble because the Sportster for the longest time has kept them in the market. Because it's their best-selling motorcycle. I think their custom model is what's going to replace the Sportster. I, w I want you guys to play along with me here because you'll 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 like where I'm going with this thing. So, like in 2013 or 2014 is when Harley unveiled the prototype that they were working on. Whatever future, what what's it called? It's a future model. Um, the street, the Pan America. No, no, no. The the live wire. Live wire. But live it's, wire. it's called a, a what's a concept? There we go. So. When did they release the street models? Last year, they announced the Pan America. No, 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 no. No, the street, the 750 and the 500. The street, oh. the street 500 and the Who street. Who gives 500. a shit? Well, <laughs> so here's the. Two years ago, was it 17 when the soft tails came out? Uh, no, no. no it was at least, yeah, it was a couple years or a year before Five that. years. It was 2014. It was 2014 or 2015, I'm pretty sure. The thing is, is the Pan America and the custom and the street fighter and all that stuff okay if you look at the motors i understand it's supposed to be something totally different yada 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 they can change shit about a goddamn motor but what i'm getting at is is that i think as ugly as they were i think that the uh street 500 and street 750s were put out there as a tester vehicle for harley i, I don't oh. think they did it for sales but what i think they did was they put a motor out there that was going to be similar than what those motors were they had this whole thing planned but they wanted to see what the reliability was of a street 500 and a street 750 regardless because most of the people that bought those were commuter bikes yes they still bought their air-cooled sportster you know, they sold more of those, of course. I think they put them out there to see the reliability of that motor. Because if you look at the pictures of a street 500 or 750, and then you look at the new models, they're both like twin cam motors. They both got six gears. They both, you know, there's a lot of similarities. 
except they decided that hey, they needed a really cool gas tank. Are you Mike, saying that? Are you genius? Are you saying that Harley had some foresight? I think he yes, is. They had foresight and foreskin, even. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> they have a lot of foreskin. <laughs> We're in serious trouble here. But what <laughs> I'm what I'm thinking is, you know, that that's sort of my that was always that's always been my. I uh, think Joe thought about things. I've never heard anybody say that. And that's interesting, actually. I, I think Joe, though, Joe hit it on the head a while ago because uh, um, Harley actually, uh, I think it was two years, two or three years ago, uh, they took it in the shorts by the, from, from the federal government to the tune of, it was millions. I think it was $15 million. They ended up had, having to pay the federal government because Harley is governed because they're, you know, a fuel burning engine. They're, they're governed by emission standards. And they were actually selling parts out of their shops and installing them that were taking a stock bike and screwing with the emission standards. Well, that was their that was their tuner. Their screaming absolutely their tuner was their tuner was doing that, and they were denying that that was happening. So the motor company ended up getting getting in trouble by the federal government, and they took it in the shorts. They I think it was I want to say fifteen million could have been more that they ended up having to pay through the, through the federal government. And Joe a while back said, and, and I agree with this, and I think this kind of supports even Mike's theory a bit, they're, they're making changes that they're being forced to make because of emission standards all over the country and increased emission standards in countries like Europe and some of the Asian markets where, they're, where the Harley does well, but the bikes can't be sold there anymore because they don't make the right. emission standards. So that was... <clears throat> and that's that's the reason that they killed the KLR off is because exactly. of the carbon footprint. Yeah, yep. and so exactly, and so that's the that's I think one of the bigger changes too is that Harley's being forced to make changes because, as an example, I would say that if myself and Dustin and Joe and Tony, because well, and Mike, you too, because you still have your Sportster, we all took our bikes to California and tried to get licensed there. Not a single one of us would pass the smog test. And it's going to get Nobody's even harder in two years. Now with a stage one, you just rip the ozone when you go down the road now. I mean, after you put the stage one on it, I mean, and I, I've read a lot of articles where they're having problems. Harley's having problems getting the Evo to pass admissions because the motor is so old. Right? That's why they're going to that yeah, new they're gonna new kill it. motor. Yeah, yeah they're gonna, the motor's the so Evo old, is it's gone. having trouble. It's having trouble to, you know, to, to pass admissions now. Yeah, they're gonna kill the Evo. I, I don't I, I don't think they're gonna kill the Sportster, but they're gonna kill the Evo for sure. I think the custom line is gonna take it over because if you look at them, it's a, a newer version. Because I'm I'm looking at a picture of the custom model now, and I guarantee you they're gonna go anywhere from 650 to 1250 cc's for sure. Yep. yep. And I mean it looks well, to me right. like a replacement for the Sportster. Well, they're going all the way down. If I'm not mistaken, there was, I know there was the Street Fighter. There was. Now, the, the Street Fighter is completely different, man. To me, yeah. that looks like a, a sport, sport bike. bike. Yeah. Right. 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 Who's going to buy and a Harley Sport bike? They, uh, a millennial, if they price it right. But they're not. I mean, but the thing uh, is. The Buell died. The Buell died, and that was a Harley bike. Yeah, the Buell died. But I mean, when no. I think of sport bikes, I think a Honda, no. Yamaha, Kawasaki. Well, right. And I totally agree with you. But. There's there's one of those bikes that they announced that was a 500, and it wasn't like this. It wasn't a street 500. It was a because they had the Street Fighter, they had the Pan America, they had the Custom, and there was something else. What was it? That it's the Indian bike. It's not one that they're going to sell for the American market. They are, oh they're yeah yeah they're creating a so, bike specifically for the for India. So yeah. that motor 
that motor's a 500. The motor in the Street Fighter is a 750. The motor in a Pan America is a 900. Which... The, no, the, the Street Fighter is 975 or 1250. There's only two planned CCs for this modular moto, motor, and it's 975 and 1250. See, I thought they were using that same motor, just different you know, platforms, that, you know, putting in different uh, cubic, you know, cylinders. Right now, the only thing that we know without speculation is that the modular motor is going to be in a 1250 and a 975 sold which, to the American market. And that's... Which replaces the, the Sporty, pretty the, much. I, I agree with you on the custom. It just depends on what you, if, if it's going to be 975 or 1250 or both. The Pan America is going to be both. I guarantee you the custom's going to be both. I don't know. I mean, I could be just blowing smoke signals out of my ass, but I I think it's going to replace the Sportster. Your ass is pretty. Smoke signals are the White Castle from yesterday. (laughs) Those things, it's rectal rain after you eat. (laughs) He went to White Castle and his ass blew out. <laughs> he went to White Castle. His ass is predicting motorcycles. I I surpassed the stem of grapes. I went right to the plum. Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you went right to the winery, dude. You got those fuckers stepped on and juiced. Man, you get step on that son of a bitch if you're not careful. So speaking of the sportsters, they withered down the lineup a little bit, right? Yeah. So we, we, we're left with four models now for 2020. No yep. more super low. No more. No what more, else is gone? No more 48 special. Right. Nope. There is a 48. But you know what, though? Right. This is the thing, Dustin. Uh, and I talked about this on the Discord, actually, with Joe today. Uh, they patented two years ago a 48X. Okay, that, so what is that bike supposed to be? What do you know about that, Ryan? I'm curious well, about that. So the, I don't know. It's, again, this is speculation. What Wait, hold on. Is this is your speculation or speculation that you've heard? Well, speculation that I've read on different internet sites. Okay, okay, cool. So uh, Motorcycle.com, there's been a few of them that have put out some articles about uh, what the 48X is. So this is when I was talking earlier about multiple platforms and kind of what they do. So what Har- Harley does is they, they, so they have to do two, two different things. File for a trademark of names. And they filed, and I actually read this today, their trademark for their names for the Pan America, for the Bare Knuckle, for the Bronx, the four, uh, and 48X and Bronx, I guess, came a year later. Pan America, Livewire, the names for those, the, the patents were all filed in like 2016. And then what, what happens is so that people try, so they can't make the connections, a name will be patent maybe three years in advance before Harley's going to use it. And then they have to register different engine displacements. And, and, and it's a different patent or it, you know, that's not a, a trademark. That's a patent for uh, a motor or design or whatever. And so they have various sizes of models and of engines that they have, that they have uh, uh, put out patents on. And that's where I talk about. So they have, uh, what, what was the name that they called the V-Rod engine? Do you guys remember? Uh. Ugly. because they have have the pan head and they have you know what i mean the shovel head and the evo and the twin cam so anyway they're a new name that they patent and i told joe this today they patent the hd revolution oh right i don't know anything about this first i've heard about it was from you right the hd revolution was a name that they patent that's an engine that's an engine model name and that has not been attached to any project 
I guarantee you that's going to be the custom in the Street Fighter. What we and, and I, I don't disagree with that, Tony. So so they have a new engine platform. Probably you're probably right. Going to be called the Revolution. They also have some names that they haven't attached any project. No one knows what's going to be the Bronx yet. No one knows what bike the bare knuckle is. The only ones that we know for sure are the Livewire and the Pan America. So there's some names out there and there's some engine models out there that are not attached to motorcycles yet. I do not think, and again, this is just my speculation. I don't think that these are going to be attached to uh, mid, mid-year releases. I, I don't think so either, but uh, it would, them coming out with three new entire lines by the end of next year, they have to kill some lines off. They'll, they'll be too convoluted. They'll be, it's too much. I think they're, I think the street models are going to go away. I think the sportsters are going to go away and they're going to be introducing the, the new bikes because I'm looking at the new 2020 models too. And what I'm seeing is as soon as you get past the, the sportsters, everything else is Milwaukee eight engine, right? What if they in some gonna... way were able to put a Milwaukee eight in a sportster? I think, I think it's going to be a whole, I think that's what the revolution engine is going to be. Dustin, I think it's going to be the new Sportster engine, and it's not going to be an Evo anymore. It's going to be, they're going to call it the Revolution. Or do, you think it's, line. do you think it's going to be oil-cooled or air, like the Milwaukee 8 or air-cooled? Or no, it's going to be water-cooled. Water-cooled, water. like, like water. the DOHCs. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a water-cooled motor. It's going to be water. And and this, now, now, again, some of what I've heard on on uh, um, from some other speculation is, is that the aftermarket guys that do engine work or whatever they're absolutely chomping at the bit to get their hands on a water cooled a fully water cooled harley davidson they're like you guys think that bikes rip right now you wait till they can take what harley's been engineering for all these years and they cool that fucker down it's yeah, gonna the doors off it well oh, just yeah. go look look at a v-rod how different is the new engine from a v-rod engine well then there's been talk about that too that that you know Harley actually engineered this engine years and years ago, and they're going to be recycling some of that technology, yeah. some of the new engines because everybody hated the V rod. But you know what? They could probably re-release the V rod engine in a new platform right now, and nobody would know, and it would be what everybody's been looking for. Other than the modularity, how different is this new engine going to be from the V rod? I don't see much difference. Yeah, other and, than and the I, modularity, right? And I and I don't. I don't know about that. And I think the modularity comes in, Joe, um, from, you know, uh, Harley trying to streamline their cost and their production. Exactly. You know, make an engine that you can manufacture in the same plant with five different platforms that we can build with it. You know, it's going to save them a shit ton of money. But those are called cylinders. Well, well, the thing is for, let's take Harley. Okay. Let's take the iron twelve hundred. 1200 cc motor what does that thing produce mike 78 horsepower i'm pretty sure that the man i thought it was like 70 or 71 okay. or something so we're, we're say we're in the 70s in horsepower 10 grand that bike's going to cost you right for 70 horsepower you go over to indian and you can get the indian scout it's 100 horsepower that's a beautiful liquid bike cool. too yeah it's 100 horsepower liquid cooled where are we we're at eleven thousand dollars and that, that's and that's what i'm saying is i don't think that this new sportster line or whatever i really don't think that that new line is going to be that far 
out from the price that they are right now. No, but they need to beef up the horsepower. They need to beef up. And they and they will with yeah. the water-cooled motor. Well, Tony, I think I think what, what everybody forgets too that they're not giving Harley enough credit for, and this is to to uh, Indian's advantage is that if you took Indian and stood it all alone as a motorcycle company all by itself, it's operating in the red. And they keep, they keep their numbers real tight-lipped because their their parent company is completely surviving. They have more money for R&D. They have more money for all these other That's things because, because they're not a motorcycle company. Right. They are a much more diverse company that just happens to make motorcycles. They just, exactly. But we were talking earlier about the millennials. And I mean, when you start comparing apples to apples, Harley loses in a lot of the in a lot of the specs they they do you're you're absolutely you're absolutely right about that i mean the from what i understand if you ride a harley touring bike and you ride an indian touring bike they're not even on the same planet that the indians are way better in their um you know well the ftr as an example comes comes standard with olin's shocks that or, is I mean, huge. That, and that's an expensive bike too though i mean that they're not giving that bike away they're not I mean, it's a six fifteen five for the twelve hundred S. Yep. So, yeah, but how many horsepower and how fast is that fucker? Well, no, dude, it's a far because I mean, you would have to put that bike up against a soft tail. That's a new. That's a new rider killer right there, though, because that thing's a wheel. One hundred, one hundred and twenty three horsepower. Right, and a soft tail. I don't give a damn what you do or what day of the week it is. The FTR will. Fucking kill that soft tail. Oh well, yeah, w- without a doubt. I mean, but, but where where Harley gains though, when you start looking at specs, is torque. Yeah. Nobody well, can compete with the torque that Harley produces. You and, and that's C-torque what I wonder. What's going to happen? What's going to happen when they when they liquid cool these engines? The torque's going to go down, but the horsepower the is horsepower going to go up. You don't think that their engineers aren't trying to work in a way that they can get torque and horsepower of liquid cool? Because I think they are. Well, it took them fucking goddamn eight years to put out a battery-powered motorcycle yeah i mean they've been doing doing these internal combustion engines for a hundred i think they're gonna have it figured out now don't get me wrong now i mean the indians doing 87 foot pounds of torque i mean that's not like you're riding a goddamn a vino a yamaha vino down the road (laughs) or something it's kind of yeah, we, we get your bread and your fucking beret out. Let's go for a ride. <laughs> you know? I mean, the thing's still almost producing 90 pounds of torque. But, you know, something about those Harleys that I've always said, they pull like a diesel truck. They may not be, they may not feel as fast as they are. I mean, they feel faster than they are, if that makes sense. You right. know what I mean? Because well, they, they do pull so hard. They've but, also got the red line of a diesel truck, too. Yes, they do. It's, you know. But is this apples and oranges? We're talking about cruisers here as opposed to different types of bikes, you know? Like yeah, the, so the FTR was, is not a cruiser. No, no the FTR, no. that's more of the Street Fighter. That's yeah. going to be Harley's. Harley's answer to that is going to be the Street Fighter. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I don't yeah. think you can compare the FTR to even a soft tail. They're not the same kind of bike. No, I, not the I same. know they're as not. As far as price-wise, I was just going in, in prices. Yep, you're right. You're right. I'm, I think... I, I just I stick by my fact of Harley has stayed alive because of the history and culture. And you're moving into a generation that doesn't care about history and culture. So therefore, you best come out with something that is affordable, that offers a lot of shit, 
instead of trying to fluff everything up and put something out that's, you know, that, that someone doesn't care about culture and everything else. You, I don't give a damn how many 60 year old or 70 year old Harley owners are out there that are going to damn be cussing Harley for releasing another water cooled motor after the V rod. You know what those 16 and 7 year old guys are buying now? Fucking trikes. trikes. They're buying fucking trikes. And they might be buying trikes. That's why they put out, that's why they made the trike CVOs this year. But that's what I'm getting at is those people, they may have just bought their last motorcycle. Right, right. You know? And so the millennials, if they don't offer something that's comparable to everyone else, then they're not going to get a market share of that. Because everyone I know owns an import motorcycle. Every guy that I work with that owns a Harley is 50 to 55 or older. No young children other than, or young children. Children. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 40. I'm the youngest guy there that even owns a Harley, and I don't even ride mine to work. I see some younger guys here and there where I live on on an HD, but for the most part, um, Right there with Mike, most of them are 50, 50 plus. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, yeah. in my neck of the woods, it's everybody's on a Harley. If it's not a Harley, then it's a crotch rocket. Well, it's, right. Well, well, that's what I'm, but that's what most people are, are used to seeing, though. But I guarantee you, if it's a younger guy, he's a little overweight, he's got a fucking ball, ball cap on turned around backwards, some sunglasses on, he's probably got some leather penny loafers on in jeans and he's riding to work or riding out to the bar that's your you're typical stereotyping hard you're nope. damn right because every <laughs> fucking harley rider looks the same gosh mike so much aggression and anger man uh, i'm telling you so much i will say this i my soft tail slim as far as i'm concerned it's one of the best riding bikes i've ever been on they did a hell of a job with with these soft tails last year. And I was one of the first ones to come out and say they fucked up. They should have never killed the Dyna off. I was completely wrong. They did a fantastic job with these. <laughs> I just hope that the new bikes that they come out are just as impressive. I'm sure they will they be. Did with the soft so do you think of these Dyna fanboys that are still dogging the soft tails, do you think since probably the majority of them have never ridden one of the new soft tails, they see that this new Lowrider S is out. Do you think that may gravitate them to actually go test one out? Yes. Ride one yes. and find out how fantastic these new bikes handle. I, yeah. I think they would, but you got to get past the $18,000 price tag. Right. Oh, for sure. They're right. going to get past that because they're going to watch a blockhead review of it because when Orlando Harley-Davidson has one, he'll be the first to know. Even the manager won't know they're in. And <laughs> he'll, he'll have it. He'll have the damn review of it and have it bought and sold by the time they start putting them into production. Dude, I'm really going to be narrowing down what bikes I test ride. I tell you that because you're you're going to walk into a hard dealership and they're going to go testees, testees. I'm going to go test ride a fucking Honda Monkey. Just testees, nuts everywhere, black it's magic, voodoo, voodoo <laughs> magic. <laughs> no, I'm I'm glad I don't have an Indian dealer by me. Hmm. Yeah, we've got one probably an hour and a half from here. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I don't have. One I would lo- I would love to ride a Scout because that's, you know, besides the Vulcan, that was the other bike I had my eye on was an Indian Scout. When I was down in Florida over the summer, I saw an Indian the Bobber, the Indian Scout Bobber on the road. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and it is a mean looking motor. That bike turns my head. And there's two dealerships near me. I got to get on one, man. 
I read, I wrote a, an Indian last year, the uh, Indian scout, um, a What's girl, name? a girl I work with owns a, a scout, uh, her and her husband actually both have Indians and uh, it was an interesting ride. The ergonomics were kind of instantly comfortable um, when I, when I got on the bike and I could tell that it was fast rather than torquey. Um, but to me, <laughs> perfect background music <laughs> to me where I, where I felt like the, the Indian was, was missing quite a bit. Right. And it wasn't fit and finish because I liked the fit and finish of the bike. I thought it was a really nice looking bike. You know, it's solid, solid bike was once you got up to like at 55, 60 mile an hour and you cracked it, there wasn't a lot of crack left. Mm. So I didn't feel like I hate it when you run out of crack. Right. No. I didn't Stay feel like to crack. I didn't feel like it had a lot after that. I thought it was quick, but not fast. If right. that's because it doesn't have the torque. Right. right. Yep. Because but, it's a water cooled engine. Yeah. The, the, the torque is what, what gives you that feeling at 55, 60, 70 miles an hour. That's so, that's what makes the M8 so impressive is at 70, 75 miles an hour when you twist that throttle. You, you catch that hundred pounds of torque. Yeah. Well, I, I say it every time I was blown away when I rode, when I rode my road King, that the difference between 60 and 90 was nothing. I felt no different on the bike. If there's nothing I like more is to get blown away. <laughs> blown away. But no, I, I'm sitting here looking at these bikes and I'll tell you, I'm on the Harley site. The heritage classic is mm. phenomenal motorcycle the heritage is one damn sexy bike and i actually test rode that on my birthday in uh 2018 just before the route 66 trip man mm. that bike is it was my first time on an m8 bike and i didn't want to get off of it very they, they had to call it the woody because you get off of it with one no I, I enjoyed riding it and then when i got on the slim i'm like damn the slim is a is a damn nice bike as well hashtag um, thicky thoughts Thicky thoughts. thoughts. Yes, sir. The heritage is great. And the salesperson was like, well, you shouldn't buy the slim. You should buy the heritage because it's got the bags and this and that. And I'm like, fuck that. I want to mod my shit. And that's, that's why I own my sporty, you know, because I want to mod my shit. So I'm thinking about the slim because then I can add some modifications to it. Yeah. You know, that's something that the other bike manufacturers are lacking in or, or is aftermarket, except for the Kawasaki KLR. It's like the fucking you're, Swiss army knife. Well, you were talking about the God. bolt earlier. It's, it's, you know, it's exactly like a sporty, except you can't mod the thing. And it's a you little plastic feeling too, man. That's what people have been saying right now is a big detractor from Indian. And even the Indian fanboys are saying it is that you're going to take it in the ass for aftermarket in Indian whether you go aftermarket or right from Indian. And actually people complain that, that Harley's aftermarket parts from Harley are expensive. The Indians are even more expensive. Dude, when you go buy Harley parts, take your compass because you're getting a 360 fucking. <laughs> I mean, it's, you got to see what direction it's coming from. It, it comes from all directions. It's a, just it, a damn orgy gangbang. It is. You walk in, you check your compass, go, it's coming in from the Northeast and the West. You need one of those 360 cameras. Exactly. <laughs> all I mean, the angles. You get those spikely angles. That's that's no kidding. That That's what I understand is that the uh, uh, Indians are... Are the, the, their aftermarkets even more expensive than Harley? Well, I got a yeah. I got a buddy that's got a, a 27 Victory Octane, and as we all know, Victory's not around anymore. Just to get for him to get parts to replace that bike, he's told me about is ungodly expensive. 
I mean, just a, like a shifter peg was, uh, you know, three straight fuckings, three nights in a row. <laughs> Dude, I went in and bought passenger pegs for my slim, right? The damn rubber, just the fucking rubber pegs were $38 a piece. Oh, you did it wrong. Well, I walked out and I was like, you could drop a bowling ball in my ass. If you get that. <laughs> Boy, they ranged you. They sure did, man. I, I was like, God, for just a rubber peg. I was if like, you go, if you go in there, look on, look on the peg board. That's, that's really funny because it's a peg board. It's the a board, peg with, board pegs. with pegs. Yeah, with the pegs on the board. It's a peg board. <laughs> if you look at the peg board, they got the ones with the chrome ends on. It's just like a round uh, uh, ribbed peg. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> are you a Harley dealer or Adam and Eve? I think, you know, I blanked out for a while. I could have been wrong. No, no, I'm right because I got them. I had them on the passenger or on the, on the forwards on my bike. They got a polished chrome knob and they're ribbed. And I think I bought those. Is for that like, for your pleasure or for her pleasure? Oh. Um, it was for my pleasure because my Ooh. other ones was worn out. If you <laughs> tell uh, me more about polishing the chrome knob. Oh no, I there was I didn't have their feet on my chrome knob. Hey, I, I didn't have to polish it. It was already pre-polished. That's what you get when you get a Harley. You get pre-polished chrome. <laughs> pre-polished knob. Yeah. Are, are you saying that your knob was pre-polished so no knob job was needed? When I got the pegboards, oh, pegs. Man. And it was like I, I think they were like $23, I think or something like well, that. Well, I took them. That's what I'm saying. You did, you did it wrong. <laughs> you did not go in there millennialized I did with not. your research, <laughs> your research in hand. I went in there loose and came out even looser. Loosey goosey. <laughs> Can't even touch the sides anymore. Nope. <laughs> like throwing a pickle down a hallway. Somebody get a ham and take a bone out. And now it's time for. The Moose Knuckle Mike Word of the Week. It's like Jeff, you for your mind. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, Hobgoblin. Hobgoblin. The word uh, of the day is knob. No, is, is it's it millennialized? Be, it's, you, uh, hey, is that even a word? I, you just made it a word. It's going to be a thing now. It's a mechanism. Um, oh, okay. So the word of the day today is vicinal vicinalectomy vis vis v v i s upside down e n upside down e l vicinal is that how you vicinal yeah or vicinal 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 okay anyway okay anyway it's v i hyphen s upside down e hyphen n upside down e l Vicinal, vicinal, Uh It's an adjective. It describes something. It's French, early 17th century. It means adjacent or local. Uh, second uh, definition is of or relating to a neighborhood or a limited area. Uh, examples used in a sentence would, my dog's loud barking disturbed every vicinal household. When I dine out, I stick to vicinal <laughs> restaurants that I can walk to from my house. Like a white yeah. castle. Like a white castle. 
Oh, you better get a fucking Uber local. home because you're going you to get there quick. <laughs> you better make sure that the restrooms are visinal when you eat at White Castle. <laughs> local. Not how, more how, mu- how much of a pain in the ass would it be if White Castles didn't have bathrooms? Oh, they, shit. They used to have to put a quarter in that bitch to use it. <laughs> I mean, they that were is, both oh, ways. Man, that is a... That is a bad tax right there. Yeah, I mean, they, they were getting you both ways. We're going to get you for the burger and the, and the, the losing of the burger. That would it's like when you go to Aldi, you have to pay a quarter to use a cart. You have to pay a quarter to use a cart at Aldi? Oh, yeah. I know my wife always takes bags with her when she goes to the Aldis. Yeah, you got to put the little quarter in the slot inside the cart, and then it releases the chain. That way, oh. I guess, they don't have to pay some kid to go out and collect shopping carts in the parking lot. Don't you get the quarter back when you return it? You sure do. Damn, or, you, or you could pass it on to the next friend. <laughs> oh, hey, friend. Sit back, everyone, and hold on to your hats. Now we have the FDB Five Dirty Facts. No way. Yes way. Five Dirty Facts. Five Dirty Facts from oh. the Five Dirty Buckers. Everybody, Crab Fest at Red Lobster ends soon. <laughs> Ooh, I love... Hey, I'll tell you, if you eat six, if you eat six orders of shrimp scampi, you will have wished you would have eaten uh, whatever it is, a damn snack box or whatever it is, a White Castle, because I will tell you, you will shit your goddamn brains out. Dude, shrimp will give you the farts. No, if you eat oh. buttered shrimp scampi, yeah. I'm talking, it, your, your intestines will fall out of your body. I lost sense of smell, taste, and everything after eating five or six orders of shrimp scampi. Did, did you develop a nervous tick? I about, I, about, I about shit my soul right out of my body. It was about gone. All right, I'll, I'll, do the, I'll do it for real here. The king of rock and roll, Elvis, is in the news once again. God rest him. Elvis's... FLH, Harley-Davidson 1200 Electric Glide, will be on auction in a few short days. And it is looking to smash the record for the most expensive bike ever. How much are they selling it for? Well, there isn't a price yet because it's on auction. I don't know if there's a starting bid that's announced yet, but Mm. it is actually projected to take in between $1.75 and $2 million. Holy Damn. Shit. Crushing, Man, this... crushing current record of $929,000 for the most expensive bike ever sold. Okay, so it has saddlebags, correct? And it's got Elvis DNA on it. I swear to God, if you buy a damn Elvis motorcycle for $2 million, it needs to come with a peanut butter sandwich and amphetamines in that bag. <laughs> <laughs> could probably, you could probably scrape the amphetamines right off the tank. Oh, baby. You fix me a peanut butter. Better come with something to massage your taint when you're riding it. <laughs> it does. It's called peanut butter and silly, peanut butter and banana sandwich. Easy Rider, Peter Fonda, passed away. Mm. Oh yes, yep. yes. I just recently. You guys might have already heard this, but I just mm-hmm. saw it. So passed away at 79. Easy Rider. I just watched that movie not too long ago too. It's a bummer. Oh, yeah, it's a good movie. It is. Did you, do you all watch that, uh, Daryl? What What's his name? Walking Dead. He has that yeah. motorcycle. Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. Yeah. Yeah, he did, and he had Peter Fonda on there last season. Riding oh, with man. Reedus. Yeah. Yeah. Great show. yeah. Riding with who? Riding with Reedus. Norman Reedus. Who's Reedus? From The Walking Dead. Daryl. Daryl from Walking Dead. Daryl from Walking Dead. Do you know? I have never 
watched The Walking Dead. What the hell is wrong with you? Something's I, wrong with me too because I have not either. Man, I have got no time for The Walking Dead or the or the Game with the Thrones or. Whatever. <laughs> you watch Game of Thrones? I no, hell no. Of- oh, that was such a good show. Dude, Game of Thrones was amazing. So there's two people in here that have not watched. Walking Dude, I Dead used to do th- I used to do three videos per week. I ain't got fucking time to watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> I'll go next because it's a good segue from from Peter Fonda. I'm gonna be Debbie Downer here. Um, the woman known as the fastest woman on four wheels, uh, depressingly, she was killed today while attempting to break her own record. This is Jesse Combs, mm. and she was in Oregon, and she was on, excuse me, she was in her, um, what is it called? The North American Eagle Supersonic Speed Challenger is the name. This is a 52,000 horsepower jet powered car jesus motherfucker right that is that is 1000 times horsepower than my iron 883 and that's that's being generous to my iron 883 actually a touch hold on what was her car's name again the north american eagle supersonic speed challenger i believe is north american eagle n-a-e s-s nace (laughs) supersonic speed (laughs) challenger Speed Challenger, Nace. Nace. Oh, you're trying to do an acronym. <laughs> Nace, yeah. N double N N North America. N A E S S C. N A E S S C. That sounds good. All right. It was the N A E S S C. So what? What's really cool about? I've been following her for a while. She was on MythBusters for a while. Um, she was on a few other shows. She touched a lot of people in in her life. I'm not on Twitter, but I I've read her last tweet that she sent out the other day, and it's it's uh, it's kind of meaningful. So I'm going to read it here. Let me give a little background. She has an image here of this supersonic car that she's going to break her own record with. Uh, and she says, it may seem a little crazy to walk directly into the line of fire. Those who are willing are those who achieve great things. People say I'm crazy. I say thank you. Uh, she's touched a lot of lives. So it's, uh, it's a great loss to, to the motorsport world uh, to have her pass away today. How fast you know, was Just it, how- on a tangent of that, I, I just pulled up Instagram. First picture I see, Matt Laitlaw with her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you can see all over Instagram – uh, a lot of people that we follow, uh, from the mm-hmm. ornery one to Matt Laidlaw to 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 everybody that we follow, are posting pictures of her. She's she's really touched a lot of lives. Mike, you were asking uh, how, how fast. How is, fast is the N A E S S C? So her in 2013, her record was 398 miles per hour. And that's at Salt Flats. Uh. Is that that's where is the salt flats? That's in Nevada, right? God, fuck, I don't know. I just know uh, it's the salt flats where everybody does the top speed stuff. Her intention was to do it in Nevada. If that's if that's the salt flats, Nevada, yeah. What what's really interesting is she actually she didn't technically break it because she didn't finish the ride. But last let's see, last time she tried it recently, uh, I don't. I'm trying to look now when it was, but she achieved 483. Point two two seven miles, but while she was doing this, this is recent. While she was doing this, she had some mechanical problems that forced the door 
off this freaking, you can't even call it a car, can you? It's a freaking rocket ship on, on land. It forced the door off the, the entire thing, so she had to stop it. So she wasn't able to break her, technically break her 398 miles per hour. But man, could you imagine going 483 miles per hour in a fucking car? That would be like Tom Cruise in Top Gun and pulling the eject cord and the top coming off, you know, like the little window thing and you not ejecting. I would poop. Uh, yeah. I that think that's the force of which the White Castle leaves my body. You just, <laughs> you just took the words. Tony's free ride meal. You took the words case. right out of my mouth, man. That's exactly what I was thinking. Crate case. That's what it's called. Craven, Craven crate case. The crate case, man. His whole car would be blue and white. I remember when I was like 18 years old, I had a job delivering auto parts and I had a little Nissan Frontier truck that had cloth seats. And I don't know exactly what I had eaten, but I know, Tony, I know I shit in that thing. <laughs> I got out to deliver the parts. And the windows were down because I had to roll them down because it was bad. And when I you don't like your own brand, it's really <laughs> hey, Man, I delivered the parts, stood there for a second talking to the customer, got back in the truck, and it still was in there. And I thought, oh, my God. I thought I had, man, I thought I had pooped my pants. I'm like, man, there's no way that I have not pooped. I'm packing a potato. I, I, so I thought I had shit the bed. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was over. You know, and so I, it was crazy. So I had to check. It was bad. <laughs> For, uh, you know, fortunately, I didn't. But that was probably the wettest, stinkiest part. <laughs> flatulence I have next, ever. Next, rain it in, boys. <laughs> next, reel it not, in. It's not rain it. Rain it in. It's getting uh, damp in here. It's getting. A, uh, we're getting a little bit deep into the shit talk. So okay, uh, okay. Well, come on. <laughs> You're not into the fecal. I guess thieves are bugging people's bicycles, people's motorcycles and stuff now. They're bugging bikes. Those the who? The, so are like they doing thieves. Like GPS or something? So you yeah, for like little, G, yeah, like little GPS trackers so they can go where you live. You and your bike and then steal it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So make sure you, you know, look around your bike. You might want to feel Here up and go. under the fenders and stuff. <clears throat> or or if you if you ride a KLR and you get off road enough, you don't have to worry about nothing sticking to it because there's too much dirt on it. That's true enough, Mike. Yes, it is. All right, so I'm gonna go and, and I'm gonna. Um, I, I just learned something new, and I, I didn't know that they did this, and I'm probably gonna sound foolish even talking about it. But um, I saw that um, Revzilla does like an open box sale once a year. Oh. And so they sell all of items that maybe were returned, maybe like installed, and then the people didn't like them, so they return them. So they're oh. kind of gently used parts, jackets, open box helmets, oh. maybe something they had on the shelf that they might have dropped and it has a scratch in it. Anyway, they have an open box sale once a year, and it's and it's happening. So oh, I felt the movement, out. man. Go Speaking go check out go check out Revzilla, and okay. uh, and maybe you'll be able to find uh, a gently used or slightly used item that might fit your person or motorcycle. I'm all over that. You know, I really, and we are not sponsored by Revzilla. This is just something I discovered. I didn't even know that this was a thing. Revzilla and get lowered cycles probably have the fastest shipping of any motorcycle outfit ever. Other than Amazon. I got my tires in like 
48 hours, man. That was Did fast. you from Rebzilla? Yeah. Yeah. If you if you call open box sale, do they go? Hey, this is Anthony from Redzilla TV, where you can watch the side and ride. <laughs> is that what we get when we yeah. call? When you open up the box, where yeah. are you talking about? Get lowered cycles. I ordered something three o'clock in the afternoon. The next morning at ten o'clock, it was on my door. That's ridiculous, man. They, that they must be. Hard. They must be located somewhere near you, Tony. They must be, because I mean, I got a phone that to your house. They're in his fucking backyard in a tent. Somebody, somebody drove that thing. <laughs> they must be, because I mean, I ordered like my exhaust. I, I ordered it like at three o'clock in the afternoon. And the next day, the UPS man showed up, and I was like, "There is no way." Here, here at Revzilla, you can get a ram ass hyper cone slip on exhaust. Oh. Ram ass? Did you say <laughs> it's ramus? <laughs> ramus? 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 Oh, man. You got to stay away from those rams. Ram ass. Did you hear this bloke he was talking? He said, he said, Ramus sounds like ram ass. We're going to make exhaust. We're going to call our company ram ass. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys. Keep it dirty, riders. And we'll see you next time on the FDB podcast.